0: Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. The show contains objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised.
1: What, what, what? You want my comments? What,
0: what, what, what? Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Shooting Gallery Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the part man, part machine, all podcaster, Carlos the Wrestling Movie Guy, accompanied by my main man, James, a.k.a.
1: J-Dash. I'm the heel that people want. I will be the heel that everyone needs. (laughs) All right, Christopher Nolan. Before we get the
0: show started, you guys know what it is? Make sure to go and follow PW Newsroom for all your up to date professional wrestling news. Make sure to follow 503 Sports. They're nice enough to sponsor us. Go check them out. Make sure to also like, share, and subscribe for our new YouTube channel. And we've also got a Facebook page. So if you want to get in touch with us, that's the best place to do it. Or you could do it through Twitter. You can hit us up at, at WrestlingMovieG and at P W N S G W P. Man, that's a tongue twister right there. And I don't think that uh, we need to let you know what the uh, you know what the structure is for the show. I think at this point, do you know what it is? So, what do you guys say? We just get started and get right into the number one story of the week. And as you can see on the thumbnail, we are talking about Otis, and Otis is now officially a main eventer. To start off the show this week, WWE kicked it off with another episode, I say an episode a lot, with everyone's favorite shit-talking show, Miz TV, and the guest of honor was none other than Otis. The Miz opened up by having Otis show us more insight to who he is in real life and in the ring as they talked about his upbringing, (laughs) which did a good job of showing us how he grew up he was bigger than all the other kids around him and I think that that gave the audience a really personal connection to him as we all growing up had something that made us different than everyone else. Otis may be a larger-than-life character but this definitely made him more relatable to people. It gave him a lot more soul. He's not just a, a walking joke. Of course, you know, He's hilarious. He was hilarious as always, and I c- just can't get enough of this guy. Literally everything that comes out of his mouth is pure gold. I laugh at everything that he says and his mannerisms, like running around with the Money in the Bank ba- the Money in the Bank briefcase, and he's humping it. <laughs> like that stuff's just great. So as the interview went on, Miz began to berate Otis with insults, claiming that Otis being the Money in the Bank champion is a sham because he doesn't meet what The Miz feels is the standard of being a success or a winner in the WWE. Basically, Otis doesn't look or act like The Miz, so therefore, he is a loser. But at the end of the segment, The Miz, along with Morrison, challenged him to find a tag team partner to go up against them. And eventually, thanks to Mandy Rose's brilliant idea, he got Braun Strowman to join him. However, Stroman was reluctant to join him at first, you know, due to the money, the bank's winner's possible intentions. But he came anyway. And they had a pretty damn good match. A very enjoyable, entertaining match. That even included Braun doing his own Caterpillar. A horrific, ugly-ass looking Caterpillar, but a Caterpillar nonetheless. Overall, I feel like Otis had a great night. This was Arguably one of the biggest nights in his career and it seems as though he's being pushed further than anyone had Possibly anticipated. So now the question is how far is Otis going to go with this and Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Is he done with Tucker who has been MIA for a very long time?
1: So you're very positive about Otis And Um, I love him. I could tell. I'm not gonna damper your parade. I won't do that. I think I expressed my outrage and rants from my previous episode of the AEW. But Oh yeah. Your buddy, your pal, Mr Oh yeah. The big guy. Yeah. Uh let it out man i don't want to because i don't want to be labeled as a guy who just hates the wwe or hates all the wrestling who is a guy who just bashes each and every company because it doesn't set my needs doesn't fit my opinions doesn't fit the idea that i think a certain character can go well, but i see the whole entire
0: po- that's the point of the show though just let yeah, it out
1: man yeah true we're not a reaction podcast we're basically a review podcast of the show so but Otis my man is I think at the time or At the time the money in the bank and now he is Considered Potentially the next step to be a world champion or a universal champion It makes me sit back and realize that just three years ago, maybe four years ago. We had John Cena we had Seth Rollins. We had Roman Reigns. We had The Miz. We had Randy Orton all on SmackDown at one point. That roster was loaded at one point. And now we're down to Otis and Braun Strowman. I'm not bashing Otis. Otis is a character that's very enjoyable, very lovable, and I appreciate him. I appreciate it. All these wrestlers I go out here and do what they want to do to promote their character because it's their career It's their lifestyle. I'm not bashing them. I'm bashing the booking of the WWE and it You could tell how it's fallen between you know, stop the from Quality of stars to what it is today and that's not Otis fault what I have a problem with in this storyline so far is that they're already putting him towards Braun Strowman already are they about to just bury him before the theme goes after Braun Strowman which is gonna be within the next couple of weeks or so um, but this overall storyline for Otis is enjoyable is laughable is fun it's the bright spot on Smackdown I do have to admit that but It makes me wonder if the WWE gave Otis the Money in the Bank briefcase because they had no other options to do it so they can keep ratings up on SmackDown. And of course, you know, this is a business. And Vince and, you know, Brother Love in the background, Mr. Briz makes all the decisions for, you know, the writers and the athletes. But I love the storyline, like have we said, is is he a main inventor? Honestly, Otis is not a main inventor. I think he's still a year off to be a main inventor. I think uh. he I think he's being pushed way too early to that status. But I understand why the WWE is doing it because SmackDown doesn't have the talent that they used to have. And of course, we mentioned his tag team partner, where is Tucker? Honestly, I think Tucker may be done. Uh, They've literally just not just left him off the script. They've pretty pretty much Thanosed him from everything. Um, So, is that you know bad for Otis? No, it's actually helping Otis. But I look at Otis as being the not the last gasp of help for this uh, for this brand of SmackDown. Um, But giving him the the ladder match The money in the bank match given him the briefcase Giving him every opportunity and then the first show after money in the bank you have him go after Strowman acting like he's going to cash in Which was kind of you know funny? But it seems like they're already getting rid of that Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt uh, Story arc already even though we know that's going to happen in four weeks at backlash um, for me for Otis, this is a good thing, and a good, you know, stipulation—he has the briefcase. It's fun, but I have a feeling that they're going to set him up to be a big disappointment for the Money in the Bank. Um, either losing it to some singles match against the Miz or Adam Morrison or Dolph Ziggler or you know some other superstar, or they're going to make him cash it in on Braun Strowman, and Strowman's just going to destroy him, which was a waste of a Money in the Bank. Um, Mm. but it's, I love Otis, I love his character, I enjoyed it. I can just see this road going down the wrong path because WWE Booking just loves to say, Hey, here's what you want, we know what you want, and we're not gonna do that. Thank you for watching, and that's what's starting the show for me.
0: I don't know. I think they have, yeah, they have less talent right now, but I don't think that Otis winning was a reflection of that. I mean, you still got AJ Styles there. Apparently, they love them some King Corbin. Uh, there's so many guys on SmackDown that could definitely be the money in the bank guy, but I think that, like, Otis is just so over. He's so popular to give him that makes him the most unique money in the bank winner of all time and he could very well go down as the most entertaining in that kind of Brock party kind of style. You remember when Brock Lesnar was running around with the money in the bank briefcase and he had the speakers on there and he was dancing around? That was good stuff. People actually liked that. You know, for a while they liked was Brock. Yeah. But that's so not Brock at the same time. That's not his style. Like when did you when do you ever see him like joking around like that? Like, that's just so out of character for him. And that actually was more or less popular. Now, Otis is incredibly popular. Everybody loves him. And him being the champion right now and maybe having a bit of a thing with uh, Strowman, I don't think is going to end up badly for him. What I could actually see happening is the Fiend returning, attacking and beating the hell out of Strowman, and Otis actually takes advantage and takes the title from him that way. I actually think that's the direction that they're going to go in. And, man, i got to say, having him as a champion would be so awesome. Awesome! That It would just be great. I don't think that it would last long, but I think that it would be fantastic to watch. It would be incredibly entertaining. Because, again, anything, literally anything the man does, like, he could be doing his taxes. And
1: it would still be funny. Yep. That just just that right there. Imagine Otis as a Universal or WWE champion.
0: Mm, I'm in. You're I want in? to see it. I want to see that <sighs> so bad. I want to see it because it's it, what, so ridiculous.
1: It is ridiculous. But here's the thing: you're going to have fans like you. I'm not clarifying, you know, classifying you with a lot of WWE fans. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of WWE fans go out there and be like, "Oh, it's it's Otis. He's the WWE champion." Man, I remember when Ginger Mahal was the WWE champion. He sucked. What's the difference?
0: There's a huge difference. Otis is hilarious. Ginger Mahal was annoying and boring.
1: Yeah, but they're going to be two. I, I don't want to say this. If it does happen, they're going to be two people who've owned the trophies, or trophy, really, don't have trophies in WWE. Um, championship belts that kind of don't deserve it, but they were put there. To See where they go but end up being epic fails because we could say that Jinder Mahal even though he's Hit the WWE champion for a couple months. His title reign was an epic fail Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm afraid they'll put Otis in that position They'll give honestly I could see this happen They're gonna give Otis the championship and treat him like Kane or the Big Show when they had the championships Meaning he wins that pay-per-view and he loses the next nine raw or the next nine Smackdown.
0: I think they're probably going to go more in the direction of that McFoley lovable nutball kind of direction. And that was huge. People remember that. Now, yeah, this title wasn't that long, but was it remembered? That's what mattered most, and it was remembered. People talk about General Mahalo. What do you really remember about it other than disappointment? Not a whole lot. But with Mankind, it was short, but it sticks out in your mind. And I think that's the direction they're going to go with, with Otis.
1: Well, I remember Jinder Mahal is that was it Bujabi prison match. Oh. Is it is it that name of the, He was facing Yeah Orton.
0: Yeah, and the Great Khali came yeah. out, oh uh, god, I don't even want to talk about that. That's just garbage.
1: I still remember looking at an article of a guy who constructed that one. That he doesn't work for the WWE anymore, and he was I think a wrestling observer. He talked about. He goes that is the worst type of structure to build. And it's a pain in the ass and how much, you know, how much time you have to build it. And it, uh, he goes, the the, the p- backlash pay-per-view, he goes, that thing was not secured and not safe at all. They were worried that the actual thing would break during the match and cause it or injure somebody. Jesus. I was like, they let that go through? Holy crap. Okay. The show must go on. And apparently either Vince or Triple H or Steph, whoever made the call in the back, they said they're never doing that match again in the WWE. Smart move. Yeah, I think it was kind of useless for a championship that's, you know, how much can you hype Jinder Mahal and Randy (laughs) Wharton? That's that's hard to do. I don't care. It's like calling it. It's polishing a turd. It's still a turd. So (laughs) just like Highlander (laughs) 2.
0: I don't care how many special edition recut Blu-rays of that piece of crap movie you keep putting out, it's still a piece of crap. (laughs) Very true. But let's move on to the next segment. I can tell you what was not a piece of crap. It was Charlotte coming back to SmackDown and putting Sasha and Bailey on notice. Charlotte returned to SmackDown this week and she knocked her promo out the park. She started the promo in the ring but was quickly interrupted by Bailey and Sasha who attacked her credentials as a champion of NXT claiming that she's only successful due to her father's name. And Charlotte quickly fired back at Bailey saying Sasha is the real reason why Bailey is a Grand Slam champion. Sasha has been making Bailey and I quote, relevant. And why is Sasha content with being Bailey's lackey? This promo did a great job of moving the eventual breakup closer to fruition. And I thought this was a unique promo because it involved nothing but heels on the screen. And I have been reading that because it was nothing but heels, it didn't really connect with some critics. But for me, I thought it was really good. Watching two good shit talkers, regardless if they're heels or not, is always fun to me. And this feud will likely create a new face turn in Sasha. Because you know, eventually, she's got to turn on Bailey. And I hope, I hope you're wrong, James, about them not doing it like last time. But so far, it seems like they're a lot more committed to it than they were the first time around. So, will Charlotte be the one to finally get this breakup off the ground? And can this feud help bring the ratings up?
1: Uh, huh. okay. This view helped to put the ratings up. Honestly, SmackDown needs something like a feud between Sasha and Bailey to help it, like you just stated. But I know, I know, Twitter world out there and the lovely WWE universe—they uh, have completely, you know, done 180 on the Queen herself. I've never seen so many fans get so pissed about Charlotte Flair appearing on SmackDown just for this segment
0: I don't understand
1: Uh, it. I I Understand what they're trying to do what approach they're trying to do, but Why will you Make a point she's going out there Charlotte that is to Mm -hmm. make a point to Sasha and to Bailey the three these are three of the four uh, horsemen or horsewomen of the WWE's women's divisions they are the you know, they are the foundation of the women's division and Charlotte was making it known that Sasha a six-time WWE champion women's champion Is not herself and hasn't been herself and Charlotte brought up that Sasha is not Sasha unless it's Sasha versus Charlotte from a couple years ago. Which I thought was on point. Sasha hasn't been the same for three years. If you listen to this podcast, if you listen to a lot of fans, we're like we're getting tired of that Sasha and Bailey love story slash tag team partner situation. Mm, I'm but, not.
0: This time oh, t- this this time around. First time around, nah. Too sugary, too yeah. too bubbly. But this were- this is better.
1: Yeah, because they were they're trying to flirt with that same sex type of relationship, uh, which was you know borderline easy type of situation where you, you want to do it, if you're going to do it. You have to go full you know full out on it. Don't toy toy with it. So, and lucky for the WWE, they went in a different direction. Uh, cause Thank I God, because <laughs> I knew if they went one direction and went full. You know same-sex relationship. They will have to keep them together for a longer period of time
0: Hmm, and don't don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind saying that a little Bailey and Sasha action would be fun however This ain't 2002 so yeah, it was a good move that they dropped it from a uh, PC point of view I guess maybe not PC, but just good taste in general point of view.
1: Yeah, it's true but to the WWE fans out there that got, you know, they, they're getting all out of wax. Well, we're, we got Charlotte again They're like, well, Charlotte's not been on Raw it's been on Smackdown and it's been on NXT. What's going on here? We don't need more Charlotte well, wildcard bitches um, Wildcard slash no brand name anymore in the WWE so Charlotte can go wherever she wants and I understand the anger because they want more talent on the in the ring. I understand that, but it seems like Charlotte was only only in SmackDown this week to start this separation or start this feud between Sasha and Bailey. I do not think she's going to be a person that's going to be a full a SmackDown roster. She is still technically a Raw superstar. But she has NXT championship which tells me that the WWE does not like the upcoming crop of women talent coming out of the NXT if you have um, Charlotte as champion.
0: Mm, I'm not sure if that's the case. I think that they Like what they have but because of AEW doing as well as they are in the ratings, you know constantly kicking their butt aside from the one victory that NXT gets like maybe once every couple of months or so They have had a few more recently but it's still not enough. I think what they figured was that okay, we got Great workers here, but we just haven't reached a wide enough audience. So hmm. Let's put the title on Charlotte That'll make people want to go watch NXT and that way it'll get more of our ladies over because we will be getting more Exposure even if they lose to Charlotte Well, it hasn't quite worked out that way some of the ratings for some of Charlotte's matches uh, have actually been the lowest of the night for NXT, which is kind of surprising to me because I think Charlotte's fantastic. She's arguably one of the top three workers in WWE, but I kind of had a feeling that would happen because NXT fans are very fickle in the same way the AEW fans are very fickle. And to have Charlotte go back, I think, was kind of whiplash-inducing, and people didn't want that. It's like, oh, you take taking a... Raw main eventer and making the rest of us NXT, you know, uh, making the rest of the NXT women's roster look weaker like oh You needed to bring in Charlotte for it. I don't think that was WWE's intention I think their intention was to just get more exposure and Charlotte is a big name for that So it's it's a tough spot that she's in right now to say the least
1: Hmm For me, I like I'm like you I don't mind the Charlotte situation I was just very shocked that the WWE universe and Twitter just was so revolting on it I know I think I don't it's they're bitching the, the fans are complaining about ratings it's like we need better quality we need we need to improve ratings and When the WWE tries to do something to spark such ratings, they get mad at them Um. If you if everybody listen to my podcast AEW unhinged podcast, you will see the reason why I'm a Little irritated with a lot of fans these companies this company the WWE has gave you the opportunity They're giving you options and you keep saying, you know, this ain't it but Jesus Christ Just be accepted Charlotte's on Smackdown Charlotte's on Raw Charlotte's on NXT it's well, Flair, her last name sells. I don't care what you say, sells. It's Flair.
0: Nah, uh, you know, it's like a you know, it's like I said as well with the whole uh, wild card bitches thing. There, the wild card rule is back, except they're calling it now the uh, cross brand invitational. I don't fully have a grasp on how it works. It just seems yeah. random. Like, Honestly, oh, I don't
1: just yeah. Now, honestly, I don't think there is no brand split anymore, because when the brand was actually a, a true brand split, like 2010, when you thought of Triple H, what do you think of?
0: Championship Gold.
1: Well, brand wise.
0: Oh, you think of Raw. Yeah, Undertaker. SmackDown. Well, actually, yeah. I, no, I think it, I think if it was Raw as well, just because he's been in he the company on... longer than Triple H. Yeah,
1: but he was more notorious on SmackDown. Sure that, yeah. yeah, he, he helped make split.
0: smack he helped make Smackdown yeah. the a show for that period of time during the ruthless aggression for sure
1: Yeah, and that that was the true last brand split Because now I don't care if there's a wild card rule or an invitational You always saw Smackdown guys on raw sides and in and, and raw on and Smackdown side, especially now you got Baron Corbin going over to raw and you have AJ Styles going over to Smackdown for the Intercontinental title tournament So it's over. There's really no true brand, you know, allegiance anymore. There's no true SmackDown. There's no true Raw. And I don't understand why fans out there is like, well, well, this rule is stupid. Well, it we really haven't had a brand split since the early 2000s or early 2010s. So get used to it. It's they got to do something because they got competition now.
0: Damn right, AEW is knocking at the door. At
1: AEW is thinking about launching another show, too, so
0: No, uh, that's nah, already confirmed, actually, I'm pretty sure oh, uh, yeah. the, What was the dark matches that they've been doing They're going to be turning into the secondary show But we gotta move on <laughs> So let's Yay. get to uh, story number three of the week Yay. Elias and King Corbin continue their feud In the IC title tournament So If you want me to get a little bit negative, because I've been Mr. Positive this whole show, here we go. Once again, we get the same matchup, and (laughs) I do hate to sound negative, because these guys did put on a, a pretty good match. But I have to say, I feel like I'm burnt out on this feud, very much like the Roman Reigns and Corbin rivalry. The match was solid. And included some good heat when Corbin destroyed Elias' beloved guitar. Just smashing it to pieces. But I still feel very conflicted about this matchup. Because these guys are really good. They're really good in and out of the ring. They can talk with the best of them. And on paper, that should work for me, right? But sadly, no. It didn't have... It just didn't do a whole lot for me. and still hasn't been. But... I will say that the right man won, because Elias is deserving of a bigger push. And I think he'd make a fine Intercontinental Champion. But with that said, though, is it unlikely that this feud is over? And what can they do to spice it up? Because that win was so quick at the end, it just left you with that sense that, okay, we're going to pick this up later. Uh, So what can they do to, I don't know, put some new life into it?
1: I don't think there is going to be any light to it. I do think that they wanted to end it in SmackDown, and that's why they made Elias have pretty much a decisive victory over it uh, because Baron Corbin is now going to Raw and is going to start a nice, probably a month-long feud with Drew McIntyre. Mm. So it's interesting that King Corbin was even in the Intercontinental Tournament I would have replaced him with uh, with Cesaro, uh, which is not in the tournament, which is surprising.
0: Poor Cesaro. Um,
1: um, but Elias does need a, an extra push. The guy had a little bit of an injury, came back. The guy's been pretty dedicated to the company over the last couple of years. He's always been this, you know, the laughing stock. He's always been the guy who's like, Walk with Elias, you know, playing his guitar in the middle of the ring, but yet hasn't had any massive big wins to say anything about it. Um, but having him have a nice push into the NC the IC title tournament will be nice. But I can already tell you it's either going to be Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title in the final. Um, I, that's because... I think Daniel Bryan lost the intercontinental title due to injury, so he never really lost the title itself um, Same with Sam Zayn; He'll say some bullcrap like that when he returns, but Can they spice up this feud between Corbin and Elias? Yes Do I think they're gonna do it? No, because I think Elias or excuse me I think Baron Corbin is going to be on raw for the next couple of weeks for a month-long feud with the King or uh, not King Drew McIntyre, the WWE the, champion,
0: the Scottish king.
1: Yes, that lives in England. Who's actually Scottish? I don't know. That's confusing. Um, but, <laughs> the Scots are confusing. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's an interesting match. It's a first round match where you like, hey, here's the storyline. That we've been building for the last three weeks, and we're just gonna bury it here, and we're gonna see Corbin on Raw on Monday. So I think it's over. But then again, the WWE likes to bury their own storylines and likes to dig them out of nowhere five months down the road. Like, oh, remember this feud that happened in June or in May? Yeah, we're bringing it back. So I won't be surprised if they squash it here and bring it back in a later day. Because you actually think King Corbin's going to Raw? And Actually going to have a month-long feud with Drew McIntyre and when mm. Yeah, that's not gonna happen and I'm a King Corbin fan. I like Drew. I like I like his heel character I don't see it happening You so, know,
0: I I just thought of an idea if it was ever possible. I feel like it'd be pretty fun if MJF and uh, King Corbin became a tag team Now that I think it'd be pretty
1: fun. <laughs> Well, let's move on. Wow, mixed brand tag team. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, man. I know it'll never happen unless Corbin gets released or MJF gets picked up by WWE, but I was just like, hmm, they could make some beautiful music together.
1: MJF has made it publicly known he will never sign with Disney, basically.
0: Disney? Yeah, that's what he said. Well, he called it (laughs) Disney.
1: Okay, I mean...
0: I mean, I guess I can respect that. I'm a big DCEU guy, but at the same time, I can't he's the argue with the result.
1: Wrestler on AEW. MJF. Really? Yes. You would think
0: that it'd be Cody.
1: <laughs> no, it's MJF because they think he's the next big thing, and they want to keep him on the contract. Yeah. Well, I have to say, he's worth the money. Definitely worth the money. He's a good. He's a, He's. The, we could both say he's the greatest heel right now in the business. I would probably put him number one,
0: and because of how much X-Pac heat Baron Corbin gets, I'd probably put him at number two. People just hate Corbin. It's it's amazing. (laughs) Yep. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, I would have put this story a little bit higher, but at the time of getting ready for this show... This wasn't as big a deal until a little over an hour ago. Now you're probably gonna be hearing this um, Sunday morning. uh, Yeah, you're gonna be hearing this on Sunday morning. So it'll probably be well known to a lot of people what just happened, but Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulag had themselves a great match and turns out was a farewell So during the second Intercontinental title tournament match that again another tongue twister Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan put on a clinic of technical wrestling that was pretty much flawless and even. I really don't know. I really didn't know who was going to walk away with the W, but I felt like Drew would be the guy to move on since Bryan has been talking about wrestling less since his uh, since his kid was born. And watching these two work together has been an absolute joy. They've both been helping each other out you know, helping each other grow and move up in the world of WWE. I mean, yeah, Daniel O'Brien, you know, he, he, is what he, he is who he is. You know, he's a Hall of Famer, but Drew has been getting a lot of help from him. So, as I was working on getting ready for this show, I heard that there was something going on between Drew Gulak and his relationship with the WWE, and evidently, his name had been taken off the active roster list and is now in the WWE alumni list, which is... Very much surprised to me because he was getting the biggest push he had in recent months, and ten minutes later, I needed to update this show again, as it was sadly confirmed that he was released. Jesus Christ! Look, people, the world of wrestling—you probably already know this—is a fast-moving, constantly evolving business. Every day is just constantly moving like this. So, I went back, and I checked out the match again, and. You could see the look of sadness on Daniel Bryan's face. He likely knew what was coming. I mean, we sure as hell didn't. And to me, this comes as a huge blow because I've always liked Drew Gulak. I've always felt that he could have been given a lot more to do, but now he's gone. So what is his legacy going to be when people look back at his time in front of the WWE universe? What legacy? Wow shit, I guess there's the answer there.
1: I'm not bashing it, dude. But oh,
0: yeah, no, no, I know, I know. It's just, damn, I mean, I can remember some good stuff. He was NXT. Uh, yeah, League I know me like and a- you
1: would know good stuff, but the average uh, average fan will not remember who Drew Gilak is. And now, it's such a shame. Now, people who watch other wrestling promotions know who he is. And know that he will have a, pho- a home somewhere else. Where's he going to go? Uh, he could go to Impact. He could go to TNA. Or not in TNA. Oh, that's the same TNA's thing. Not, <laughs> well. He could go to Impact. He can go to um, Major League Wrestling. He can go to uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. There's so many other professional uh, wrestling companies out there that will gladly accept him. Even AEW. But... AEW has made it clear that they're not going to be doing they're not going to hire every single wrestler that departs from the WWE. Which smart is smart. That's smart. Yeah. They they want to go after certain people that fit their mold. Like I've heard that they were they contacted Rusev and Rusev declined and said he wants to do something else. And we know what Rusev is doing now. He's playing video games. Which hey You make a couple million dollars working with the the WWE and your wife's still there, you don't need to go right in the wrestling room off the bat. Uh, But when you mentioned that the emotions that Daniel Bryan stated after the match with Gulak was very genuine. You could tell that it was his final match in the WWE. Now, when you want to look back at Drew Gulak's history as a wrestler in the company look what he did in NXT. That's where he did most of his um, Matches and most of his you know coming out party was NXT which a lot of these wrestlers do is in NXT But when they get to the main card they get thrown to the side I can name a couple of guys rather right bet one of my favorite wrestlers never made it well made it to the main roster but didn't really succeed was uh, the perfect 10 Ty Dillinger now he's at AEW and he's pretty much encompass a dark heel character that is you know entertaining so when you think of legacy about wrestlers who had short tenures in the WWE you want to think of the time they were here and where they have been and because how technology is so advanced now how we can tune into any type of YouTube channel or any type of TV and watch any type of wrestling federation You will find Drew like somewhere else. He will get on his feet again. It just wasn't in the WWE. And honestly, I think he was a part of the actual cuts probably. And it's just he rather he just stayed to the end of his contract because since the cuts happened, I think what, two weeks ago? A week ago? I don't know. I think it's almost two weeks ago now. So it's uh, the wrestling industry is a revolving door. If you're not hot, if you're not, you know, on fire, your time in the business is short. And if you're, you know, on fire, your time in the business is going to be forever or long. But it's Drew Gulak, he's a good athlete. He's going to get signed by somebody. He's going to have a good career in the industry. It didn't last in the WWE, and it's sad because he's a great talent.
0: Very much so. Uh, He's going to make somebody very happy. I kind of hope it's Impact. I would like to... uh, I need to go back and start watching some more Impact Wrestling. But they really screwed themselves when it came to switching the channels. But anyway, I digress. Let's move on to the next story. And mm, mm, I wanted to get to this, but I knew that I had to put this last. There's no way that I could move this any higher. Dana Brooke proves that her win over Naomi... Was no fluke. So, let's get this out of the way real quick. There is no sugarcoating it. Dana Brooke got wrecked at WrestleMania. She grabbed the Fake Me Out briefcase and was just destroyed. Sorry, Money in the Bank briefcase. (laughs) My apologies. Uh, And got... Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. She gets wrecked uh, by Stephanie McMahon verbally, who clearly was not in the same room. The editing on that was just ridiculous. So she's holding on to the, uh, the, the briefcase with a ton of money in it. Oh, wait, this isn't the real briefcase. And then she has a freaking painting busted over her head. Oh, and then she slipped and knocked herself out on the ground. So... Yeah, it definitely wasn't her proudest moment, and it was a big letdown for fans of hers, including myself. But on Friday, she began the road to redemption as she had a rematch with Naomi, whom she beat, to get into the Money in the Bank match. And this led to a solid, if unspectacular, match which saw Dana Brooke get the win with a roll-up. I know the reviews for this match weren't and aren't glowing. However, the match did what it needed to do it added credibility to Dana's rise because well, she beat Naomi a former women's champion and Has created a possible new path for Naomi who looked very pissed off after the match now, It could have been a storyline angry face Or it could have just been the real fact that she had to do a job for Dana But really not sure I don't know what her relationship is with Dana backstage But with that said, could this lead to a real rivalry between the two with promos and the whole shebang, you know, being on pay-per-views and whatnot? Definitely not going to be the main event, but at the very least, being on the pay-per-view, not on the kickoff. And will this lead to a heel turn for
1: Naomi? Well, it's going to lead to something, because I think Naomi hasn't won a match in, I don't know, a year. I don't think I don't remember her the last time she's won a match. Um and also I think Daniel Brooks little you know, little scene at uh Money in the Bank, or have what you said, WrestleMania. What
0: yeah, my apologies. The, <laughs> I couldn't believe I wrote that. Uh, well,
1: <laughs> but is that like how Hulk Hogan said Silverdome? Very much so. <laughs> Um,
0: but but I, don't, I don't say the other things that Hogan says
1: <laughs> uh, that's, that's, That'll be a uh, podcast killing material right there, but what is the overall? Like perspective of Dan Brooke and Naomi Naomi's been I don't know been on a very long losing streak. It's been forever. It seems like and Daniel Brooke with it with the false, you know cashing in the money in the bank with the false briefcase and the bad editing that the WWE did and the media social media uh, blow up on Daniel Brooke Yeah, it's uh, It's confusing because I really can't figure out what they're doing with this and it's something that Honestly, from a person that's watched both Naomi and Daniel Brooks' careers, it seems like if I've made my own opinion and my own conclusion, it seems like the WWE is trying to make their ways or part their ways with Naomi. uh, seeing they really haven't given her a chance to exceed and shine or get some wins. And I think Daniel Brooke is getting like a little bump. You have a lot of people out there in the social media realm thinking that this was the most useless match and I understand a lot a lot of them go look at and just see it's a useless match from the storyline and That's why I've always said about our podcast is not an instant reaction podcast. It's a review podcast We give it a day or two to go, you know, let this you know simmer so we get a good thought Before we go out and discuss it because what a lot of people do what people say about instant reaction is they burn this match. Like why is it even existing? well Connect the dots where it came from how it started from where it generated and then you'll realize what they're trying to do this this match wasn't just thrown on the car this actually had some background on it and yes There are questions like I mentioned I have you know questions of where it's going but that doesn't mean it doesn't have any foundation of why it was placed there So I understand what a lot of WWE fans don't like this get match for and I understand like us We see what they're doing. They're trying to push Dana Brooke in the women's division getting her up in the rankings So she possibly can go after Bailey or Sasha or whoever has the East of the Smackdown women's title in the later future but what it sounds like is that the WWE's universe is so is so short-minded, short-sighted that if they don't get what they need now, they won't accept it, but yet they will not stay with a story and watch a story be built up to this pivotal point. And I've started to notice that just not in the WWE, I've seen in the AEW, I've seen in the ROH, the Wrestle uh, almost said WrestleMania. Thank you. Ah, see the the wrestling community has become a community where that, where back in the 2000s, we would watch Raw, we will watch SmackDown, we will watch Impact, and we will watch these storylines develop from week to week until they finally come to a conclusion at the at the pay per view. Now we have a wrestling community that gives up on a story when it's first introduced. It's like, yeah, this is BS. This won't last.
0: I you know, blame you know. the internet. It's it's because like everybody watches stuff on TikTok or you know Twitter. It's all very short videos. Everyone is in. Yes. Everyone's very much in a instant kind
1: of instant gratification culture. That's correct. And I've I've noticed it in our numbers of our podcasts. Our YouTube, uh, clicks are not as high, as our downloads. Our downloads are high because people rather listen to a podcast for an hour than watch it on YouTube for an hour. And that just tells me that if you don't get instant gravitation in wrestling or in any industry you're in, um, it hurts you. That's why a lot of movies this day and age, you're a movie guy, a lot of people who watch movies only go to certain genres because they'll lose interest in a movie once it turns on. Which is, you know, I forgot who I was reading or what what it was. It was a stat about movies, about how the average viewing time of a new movie by a new genre from a person is just introduced to a new set of movies is about six minutes, and they don't get captured in six minutes; they turn away. And that's you start to see that in wrestling. Fans here are not bought into a storyline within a minute of the match. Are not going to like sit there for a month, and they'll and then what you get is a month long of bitching and complaining about useless storylines. And this is why I tell you, the fans out there, give Dana Brooke a chance because from what I've seen over the last month or so, they're pushing her to be the next contender slash SmackDown champion. That's the reason why she's in these matches. That's the reason why she's on SmackDown. It's not just been thrown together. But then again, most of you guys are short-sighted and you don't want to see it the bigger picture because you want instant gravitation now. Like you want Fiend to be the champion now for the WWE Championship. You can't wait until Backlash, which is in four weeks. So give it time. That's what I'm just saying. Once we break through that short-mindedness, things would be all right, fans. I'm just saying. Just hold on there.
0: I'm looking forward to that day. I'm not sure. And. I know it's pretty strange to hear this. Obviously, I'm the big Dana Brooke fan, but I think you have a lot more faith in them pushing her a lot harder than I am. I don't think that, at least for the time being, that she's going to be in the picture for the title, but at the very least, I think they're going to throw her some bones here and there. I think they want to see how she handles this soon-to-be rivalry with Naomi. I think they want to see what happens with Naomi as well. Have we really seen a evil heel version of Naomi if it's possible please comment in the comments please uh, remind me of that because I don't really remember that it is possible you know but uh, it's uh, you know sometimes you watch so much damn wrestling that you forget some things (laughs) over the years because this is what like over two thousand three thousand episodes we've probably seen over our lifetime maybe more than that who knows but I wish my girl All the best. I'm very happy for her. When she won, I jumped up. Oliver was watching it, too. And he's a big Naomi fan. And he just stared a hole right through my head. He was pissed. But I'm like, hey, man, my girl's got to get a win sometime. So I'm very happy for her. But what do you guys say? We move over to the backstage news. The stuff that we hear about behind the scenes. Don't tell WWE we're talking about this. So reports are saying that Rey Mysterio has, in fact, not re-signed with WWE. Earlier this week, Dave Meltzer told his listeners that Rey had signed his new contract with WWE, and we even touched up on that on the show last week with the whole eyeball spot. However, Cage Side Seats had a very different take on his status. They said he hadn't resigned and the eyeball segment on Monday was a way to take him off TV for a while until WWE figures out what the next move will be So the idea is that this way they'll be able to take him off TV in a believable way So if he's released, you know, oh, he lost his eye. We let him go storyline wise. Hey, that fits but if he does return gonna have a storyline waiting for him when he comes back because he's gonna to need to get revenge on Seth Rollins so on top of all this it has been said that Ray wants to team up with his son Dominic before he retires maybe this is the wedge between the two parties maybe this is why he hasn't re-signed because WWE's like, uh, we don't know if that's really a good idea. Remember the last time a kid was on TV with Brock Lesnar? It was kind of, kind of awkward to watch. But to be fair, he was going up against Brock Lesnar. He eats human beings <laughs> for the protein. <laughs> so will Ray re-sign, and is it a good idea to have him team up with his son?
1: Well, at least they decided to do a different approach of him being off TV um, There were early reports of him being thrown off the building was going to be him being signed off or written off script It's nice that the WWE kind of made it less Unbelievable and more realistic with the eyeball thing um, Do I think he signs with the WWE? Uh, mm. um, yeah, he could but will he want to go back to Mexico with Lucha or AAA? Will he want to test the waters of you know AEW? Does he want to test the waters of Impact or you know, Major League Wrestling or the Guerrilla Wrestling? It's there's so much stuff out there. It's not a guarantee, and because of the landscape of wrestling now, due to the current economic uh, standings that our country is in. Does he want to be committed to a company for two to three years, or maybe four years, or he gets the Undertaker type of contract of 15 years? Um, It's which is insane. Yes, dude. The Undertaker. In case y'all didn't hear,
0: Taker did just resign for another 15 years. So he's gonna be in his. He's gonna be 70 in 2034 when the contract runs out. That's wild.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a lot of WrestleManias, a lot of matches. Um. But I don't think most of that I think most of that's not gonna be wrestling though I think it's gonna be more backstage type of things.
0: Yeah, they'll probably be like a uh, a Legends contract.
1: Yeah um, but Is it a good idea for have him and his son being wrestling together on WWE? Uh, if there's chemistry, yes, but I don't think the WWE wants to risk something like that right now um Let's see what happens if he gets an NXT contract. Is he signed with WWE yet? Dominic Dominic
0: I'm not sure that i need to look into.
1: Yeah, cuz uh, <clears throat> I honestly think if Ray Mysterio's son is wrestling right now He'll go to the company that his son is wrestling at the moment with and I think that would be the better a, a better approach for Mysterio To do for the best-case scenario for his uh for his uh for his son Um, but it's it's so hard to predict or understand what a person's going to do or what a uh, what he's going to do during this contract because Five years ago, you only had two companies and you're either going to you were either WWE or Impact now that there's more brands out there that are growing There's better opportunities at different locations And I'm not saying that it's a you know a foregone conclusion that he's not coming back or not going back to the WWE I just say like I won't be surprised if he doesn't return but I'll be and I won't be surprised if he does return because great Mysterio is like Chris Jericho to, uh, Chris, uh, to uh, Vince McMahon. They they basically, if they call Vince, Vince is going to allow them in no matter what. So It's never say never, but keep an eye open for him popping up somewhere else.
0: Man, that would be just so odd for if he was to leave at this point. And I know that he was gone for a long time. Uh, yeah, He was going out doing his own thing and there was the unfortunate accident that happened in AAA. a um, don't really want to get into that one that's kind of depressing but now that he's been back i guess maybe i've been taking it for granted how much i've been enjoying ray so for him to just leave would definitely be very jarring i mean i still wish him nothing but the best but it would suck to lose him Because you guys know that I only have so much time. I pretty much just watch Raw and SmackDown in the pay-per-views. And that's it. So I really wouldn't be seeing a whole lot of him. But, man, we'll we'll see what happens. It's an ongoing situation. Um, Hopefully they can find some kind of compromise. And as far as him teaming up with the Sun, I just, I don't know. I don't don't really see it. Uh, I wasn't particularly impressed with him. But. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's gotten better since then, and I hope he gets better.
1: So we'll see what happens. Ah, uh, actually, his son is with the WWE. Really? Yeah, he has a W. Really? He has a TNA, uh, name
0: an NXT contract. Oh, so he's getting the Lonnie Poffo, Macho Man Randy Savage treatment. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> you sign me, make me happy. Sign my family. Okay.
1: <laughs> man, his son is so much bigger than him, too. Holy crap.
0: It's weird. I was thinking about that in my head as well. It was like, it, it's odd when you see how much taller he is than Ray. Ray must have gotten the recessive genes, man. <laughs>
1: Ray's mama's tall.
0: Like I said, recessive genes.
1: Yeah. I didn't hey. he said that. So.
0: Oh, my bad. <laughs> well, the connection's been a little funky tonight, so... You gotta love how there's so many people using the internet right now. It makes it, you know, clogs everything up. But, let's move on to the final story of the week. Besides our heel picks, but we'll get there. The SmackDown ratings continue to rise. Once again, the ratings show the world that SmackDown is indeed the better show when compared to Raw. But, you know. Although, you know, to Ross credit, this show this past week was very good. They bounced back after the previous week's really rough showing. You, know, you can go back and listen to the the episode from two weeks ago. We weren't too kind to that, uh, to that episode, and I feel like I just butchered the English language right there. We weren't too kind. Uh, once again, SmackDown is regaining the audience that it has lost over the last few months. Last week, SmackDown had a 2.4 rating, which is pretty good, considering uh, they were struggling. And now, it went over it to 2.43 this week, which is not a huge jump, but it's a solid move up. And as you guys know, we've been talking about it the whole time. Personally, I think this uh, this week's episode was fantastic and a prime example of WWE at its best when everything is hitting on all cylinders. Smackdown is clearly on a roll, but how long is this gonna last and could they actually go over that? 2.6 rating within the next couple of weeks, which is right around where Fox
1: wants the ratings to be can they do it? They can try and that's the only thing you can ask for them right now. Yes, the numbers are going up a little bit, which is good but is the, the they got to keep the product in the ring or on television? exciting and Enough for them to be attracted to more people to watching But having the positive signs of ratings increasing just a little bit is an example that there is an audience out there that will watch SmackDown. There's an audience out there that still loves wrestling and it might help that Otis is champion It might help that we have, you know returning superstars on Smackdown's brand Um, but the overall ratings for SmackDown to get to 2.6, there is a chance that it can happen. It's a chance that it can get to it. Um, but it won't be, you know, you know, make or break. It's going to be a a hard fought battle to get back up there. Like it was when they probably dropped off. But ratings are strange. You think you might have the best show on air and your ratings are low. And Sometimes your worst shows you think you aired are high. It just depends on what's happening around the world what's on TV at that time and if the matches are at better quality and I really would have thought that with all the independent wrestling (laughs) leagues and wrestling uh, companies um, Not you know performing. I would have thought a lot their, a lot of those fans will turn into WWE um, but apparently, they rather watch the other show on Wednesday night um, than the WWE. Uh, so, ratings are ratings. They'll go up. They'll go down. You can't control them. You just hopefully, you get the right day at the right time that people are tuning in. And they kind of tuned in more Friday night. So, that's a positive sign. Uh, hopefully, it improves because I know Raw desperately needs good ratings. And they haven't been getting that lately.
0: Yeah, but they did go for 1.6, which is the historic low matching their low from the uh, 1995. But it went up to a 1.9, which is pretty good. Hopefully, this week they can cross the 2 million mark. And with Asuka being champion now, that could very well happen. And if it does, I think the event is going to know that he's got a golden goose on his hands with Asuka. But anyway, guys, let's move on. Oh, wait, wait. I will say, and I just thought of this as I was saying, let's move on. Uh, I was I was surprised at the jump in the ratings this week. I was like, wow, really? It we went up a point, you know, point zero three. Again, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's pretty damn good. I was very much surprised by it. It was a a, a joyous surprise. So I actually think that they could reach that two point six, but I'm. I could be very cynical optimist, <laughs> if that even is such a thing. Well, here I am, anyway. But I, I think they could do it. And if they get there, that's really going to take a lot of heat off their back from Fox, because Fox has definitely been eh, a little bit concerned about these ratings, to put it lightly. And I was reading some articles where they were confirming that SmackDown's coming back, but the way that the television insiders were putting it, it seemed like there was definitely a, uh, a feeling in the air that it might not be, which would have been just, could you imagine that if they canceled SmackDown? Wow. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'll break the bone, break the back of the WWE. Absolutely. I mean, SmackDown and the WWE Network, would that'd be rough for him. And I love WWE Network, but you can't have that show on there. You're not going to reach a wide enough audience. But we'll see what happens next week. I'm, I'm always such a geek for this stuff, like uh, looking at box office numbers, you know, ratings. Like I, I love doing that stuff. But let's move on. We've been here for quite a while, so let's get to our Heels of the Week. And my pick, or picks, are Miz and Morrison. To me, it felt like these two did a good job of helping put Otis over with their classic 1980s bullying style, attempting to make Otis feel bad about being unconventional looking and saying that he's not worthy of having Mandy Rose, which is totally absurd. But that is what a good heel does. And Eminem just always seems... to. Dude, you know, they always just seem to knock that out of the park. They portray themselves very much like the douche jocks that we all grew up with. Not that all jocks are douches, but the douchey ones. That's who Ms. Morrison are. They just think they're God's gift to women. They just think they're better than everybody else, and they definitely think that they're better than Otis. And that kind of heat always works with guys like Otis. It just seems like they're destined to feud with each other. And these two are some of the most consistent performers in the wrestling game. And I always look forward to seeing what they're going to do next, whether it is another round of bullying or a possible breakup. So they are always solid and they can always be counted on. Congratulations to Miz Morrison. You are my heel pick of the week.
1: My heel pick of the week, Sonia Develle. Oh, thank God! It wasn't the same one as mine. <laughs> now uh, Sonya Deville's little promo after um, during Mandy Rose's little segment was perfect, and mm-hmm. still, that's still the 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 best heat right now on SmackDown, and that, all credit goes to Sonya Deville. She is a badass heel, um, a heel that technically the SmackDown has been needing for quite some time. Male or female. Um, but it's a good storyline. She's playing it a very, very, very evil heel and her name, Deville. And <laughs> and she's my heel of the week. Without her and and her little storyline with Mandy Rhodes, uh Smackdown lacks the true heel that I like. Well, besides Corbin, but he hasn't really done anything that deserves it over the weeks. But yeah, Sonia Deville is my heel of the week. Based on her, you know, promos. she's been cutting against Mandy Rose over the last couple weeks. They've been good. And you need that from a heel. And she is very good at promos. So heel of the week. Sonia Deville.
0: Hell yeah, that's a good choice. I actually kind of felt bad that we didn't really talk about him, but all all they really got, uh, her and and Dolph Ziggler, was just one quick promo. But it was an effective promo. And at one point, Dolph Ziggler in the back, like it almost looked like he was gonna say something. He's like, "Nah, she knocked it out the park. I'll let her finish it." And with that said, we're gonna be finishing this show right now. We definitely wanted a little bit of overtime, I feel like. but Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> as always, we really appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, if you want to follow us, make sure to check us out on Twitter at, at WrestlingMovieG, at PWNSGWP. Make sure to follow PW Newsroom as well, pwnewsroom.com. Uh, feel free to, uh, if you got a little bit of cash for some shopping, go see 503 Sports. They got some really cool old school XFL gear. They've given us a lot of nice stuff over the years, and they've just been probably our best sponsor of all. Uh, we also got a new YouTube channel. You might, be listening to, you might be listening to us through that right now, but in case you're not, you can go check us out there. Check us out on Anchor if you want a strictly auditory show. Uh, Also, if you could, maybe give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It gets more listeners to come in. You know, iTunes promotes more shows to get five-star reviews. I don't know if we're worthy of it, but if you could, yeah, that'd be really awesome. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, go on over to Facebook. If you're not a Twitter person, you can just hit us up there. We'd love to talk to you. We take requests on reviewing shows. Earlier this week, uh, Nikki hit us up and requested that we check out the Royal Rumble of
1: 1993.
0: King of the Ring. Sorry, King of the Ring. Thank you very much. Uh, We haven't figured out the logistics for that yet, but I assure you, Nikki, it's coming. We're going to do it, and we thank you very much for hitting us up there. And as always, guys... We will see you next time. We'll be talking about Monday Night Raw very soon. Thank you very much. And until then, you're all fired. This is a copyright disclaimer. We do not own or have any affiliation with the WWE. This is just a fan-made show. And all musical credit for the intro go
1: to Dance with the Dead. Please go support Dance with the Dead and the WWE.